John Parker was a teacher. And in the 1950s, he developed an individualized reading program. And in 1955, Parker pitched this, what he called a multi-level reading program to the Science Research Associates. And they were a small Chicago-based publishing company that was founded by Lyle Spencer in 1938. What they did is that they produced mainly aptitude and vocational tests. Now the company was looking to grow and expand into the educational materials market. And they made a deal with Parker, who helped them develop a commercial product, which eventually became the company, and Parker became the company's scientist in residence. And the SRA Reading Laboratory Kit was first published in 1957. Now, as a young elementary school child, I remember specifically using the SRA reading kit. In fact, as I used the SRA reading kit when I was an elementary school student, I remember these episodes that we would do. Fact and opinion. Exercises. Fact and opinion. Now, we all knew a fact was something that was generally referred to something that is true, and it can be verified as true. And in those exercises, there would be an opinion. An opinion would be referring to a personal belief. It refers to how someone feels about something. Now, others may agree with an opinion or they may disagree with an opinion, but they normally cannot prove or disprove it. That is what makes it an opinion. Now, in these exercises, they would give us a statement. It would make an F it was or it were a fact, or O if it is an opinion. For example, you may say Joe has a car. That would be a fact. Joe has a beautiful car. That would be an opinion. You put F and O and so on and so on throughout these exercises. But then I thought about another definition. Lie. Now, to lie means to make an untrue statement with intent to deceive. There's a sentence. She was lying when she said she didn't break the vase. He lied about his past experience. Another example is lie means to create a false or misleading impression. Simple sentence would be, if I were to say to you that I had the ability to sit on a cornflake. In fact, when I was sitting on that cornflake, perhaps I could say I was waiting for a van to come. Now, what would that be? A fact or an opinion? Or how about if I said, I am the walrus? Welcome to the Stephen Thompson Experience. My name is Stephen Thompson, and this is my experience. I'm curious. I'm trying to be a compassionate leader, but I am the creator of the Stephen Thompson Experience. It is a podcast for both leaders and for followers. For those who realize, maybe I'm not one or the other, but in every situation, I have to play both roles. Now, my goal is to use my platform to educate, inform, and inspire individuals to use their gifts and talents in the service of others. Today's episode is entitled, I Am the Walrus. I Am the Walrus is a song by the Beatles. And it was on their 1967 television film, Magical Mystery Tour. 
It was written by John Lennon. And the credit was Lennon McCartney. Paul McCartney, John Lennon. Actually, it was released as the B-side, the flip side of the song that was released, Hello Goodbye, on the Magical Mystery Tour EP. Now, the walrus that John refers to comes from a poem by Lewis Carroll, The Walrus and the Carpenter, from the book Through the Looking Glass, which is in the Alice in Wonderland series. And in fact, this was a poem that Alice heard from Tweedledum and Tweedledee. And at the end of the poem, Tweedledum and Tweedledee were asking Alice to give their impressions of the poem. But see, John was upset because later on he found out that the walrus was the villain in the poem. There are some lyrics sitting on a cornflake, waiting for the band to come. Corporation t shirt, stupid bloody Tuesday. Man, you've been a naughty boy. You let your face grow long. I am the Eggman. They are the Eggmen. I am the walrus. You see, when John found out that the walrus was the villain, he realized that he did not want to be portrayed as the villain, that his opinion at the time was wrong and it caused him to change course. And in fact, we can be wrong. And it has to be upon us to open up ourselves to the possibility that we can be wrong. Here's an example. In America in the 1880s, 1800s, excuse me, not the 1880s, in the 1800s, the majority opinion was that enslaved people were inferior. In fact, they espoused this as fact. But you know what? They were wrong. Proven wrong. Here's an example. In South Carolina, Joseph Rainey was born enslaved. Now, he got his freedom when his parents purchased their family out of slavery. He went on to a very lucrative career as a barber in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, in 1861, the Confederate government made him stop being a barber and they made him begin to dig trenches and cook on a ship. Now, he was a free man, but the Confederacy was not going to allow him to be free in the Confederacy. Now, Rainey took off and left. He went to Bermuda. And there in Bermuda, he worked as a barber until the Civil War ended. And then he came back home in 1866. And he switched careers. He went from being a barber to being a politician. And he served in the South Carolina State Senate. Then four years later, he won an election and became the first black member of the U.S. House of Representatives. And Rainey worked to fight for equality throughout his term. He urged the federal government to send in the army to stop the Ku Klux Klan and other white supremacist groups. Now this was not popular. You see, when Rainey criticized the opinions of the Ku Klux Klan, he received an anonymous letter telling him to prepare to meet your God. 
But in the face of assassination, he stayed in Congress for five consecutive terms. And that was longer than any African-American politician during the time of Reconstruction. You see, the lesson here is that we can have a diversity of opinions, and that diversity of opinions is good and needed for a civil society, but a diversity of opinions has led to great achievements. But let's not confuse a diversity of opinion with poor behavior. You see, here's an example. If you have a dispute with a spouse, and one person says, hey, we just solved our dispute by talking it out. And another person says, to solve the dispute, I punched my spouse and got them to do what I want. Now, one of these cases is not simply a diversity of opinion. One is domestic abuse, which is a crime. And when crimes are committed, there must be accountability. So let's be clear. When you look out into the world, are you defending or taking opinions or are you condoning inappropriate behavior. You see, there's a difference. You see, when an individual with great power lies, a lie is a behavior that you are choosing to engage in. And you're engaging in it with a clear intent and a clear purpose, and you're intending to deceive. And a society can't stand with a diversity of opinion. But a society will not withstand an acceptance of crimes. I want you to sit with that. If your response is, well, what about such and such who did the same thing? No, 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 no. There is a higher right. There is a higher way. And you have to decide if you want to take it. You see, a leader doesn't advocate for harming others intentionally. Leaders advocate for positions that are best for everyone. And when there is a different difference of opinions or tactics, they will work to persuade others to their point of view or at least make an attempt to show and demonstrate while their opinion or course of action is beneficial for others in the long run, not just telling people to blindly accept, not just telling people to get in line and do what I say, but as an appeal to reason, an appeal to the best within us, not to the exclusion of others. Yes, there will be different decisions that were made, and there always will be. But our intent needs to be that we are acting to help as many people as we can. But then we ask, well, what do we do with those who violate the social contract? With those who appeal to the worst within us? Well, there's direction given to us by Peter, the Apostle Peter, in his book, First Peter. 15. Peter says this, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. You see, Peter identifies that there, one, there is ignorant talk. 
And there are foolish people. But guess what? You silence them. Not by being louder. Not by being angrier. You silence it by doing good. What is the good that we can do? You may know what it is. You may be afraid of doing it. But you know what? Start with doing something that helps another person. Use your talents, your abilities, your job position, your title to help somebody who may be struggling. Maybe you're struggling. If you are, go out and serve. You know, Zig Ziglar said the opposite of direction is purpose. Seek wisdom and do some good today. This is Stephen Thompson, and this has been my experience. My goal today is to educate, inform, and inspire, and I hope I have moved you a bit in that direction. But if I offended or upset or triggered you, I apologize. It is not my intent. Feel free to reach out to me through the comment section. Leave your an email address if you like the dialogue. If you enjoyed it, subscribe. Until next time, have a wonderful week. Take care.